Good afternoon and welcome to yet another edition of Down the Line, the post-grand final uh, sort of ever um, spiel here. And uh, I've got the resident Tigers fan to my left, Lockie. Premiers again, two years, two out of three. How's it feel? Um, not getting too excited yet because I'm not going to be happy until we win the next four. So oh, mate, that's... Uh, the, way we're going, the way we're going, uh, the next four is is basically a lock. So oh, he's pretty happy with himself out there. Very good stuff. And um, Dylan Matthews on the phone from Adelaide. We uh, missed you last week for the big grand final special. He talked it up and uh, he was a no-show, mate. What was going on there? Yeah, I was a very sick man. I still haven't uh, fully got over it yet, but, um, you know, just a bit soft. But certainly Richmond. You're a battler. Um, it was a ridiculous sick of watching the Weagles choke. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty average grand final. <laughs> watching replays of the Eagles, that's for sure. Um so, yeah, it was obviously the grand final on the weekend. Uh, I actually picked the Giants to win this game, which was a bit weird. That's unlucky. That's a bit unlucky. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so it was a good, uh, good, you know, so a good quarter, good good first quarter. I mean, it was close at quarter time, really. Good first 18 minutes of the first quarter. After, then yeah. it went downhill. Yeah, after out then, it was a pretty average one. So the Tigers in the end of the game of the weekend got up by 89 points over the GWS and... Well, where, 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 where should we start with this one? I mean, obviously the Giants were okay at the start. I mean, how are you sort of feeling at, at the start of the game, Lockie? Um, I, I mean, obviously it was tight and I always expected the Giants were going to kick the first goal. That's just kind of been a bit of a tale of how Richmond have gone this year, you know, starting off pretty slow and then like working into the game, second and third quarters when we normally seem to get on top. Um, so I was never too worried, but they were looking very good. Um, we wasted some chances early when we kicked those three behinds, and then uh, then they obviously kicked the first goal um, from probably one of the very few bad defensive acts from Grimes that we've seen in a long time. Um, and yeah, obviously a bit nervy, but then all went uphill from there. He certainly did, and uh, Dylan, I was thinking you were uh, on the on the piss on Saturdays. I'm not sure how much of the game you quite remember, but uh, what, what what were your sort of takeaways from towards the beginning of the game? Yeah, so I watched it from start to finish. Um, you know, by the end it was a bit hazy, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it was certainly just yeah the way Richmond played. They were seriously taking the piss in that game. Um, I thought in that first quarter the way GWS did come out. Uh, I thought they did come out aggressive in the first sort of five minutes, and then even after that, they sort of really. I think they could have shown a, shown a bit more, a bit more hard. I was hoping Mumford or someone would uh, lay someone out. He tried to get Dusty early. I did see that, but apart from that, he didn't do too much. But it was yeah, it was just a uh, one or more one grand final, one side of grand finals you'll ever see. Yeah, so what about shades of our port one hundred nineteen? I mean, obviously it wasn't quite the margin, but really in terms of you know. I mean, Port obviously all scored like 40 or points in that game. So probably a similar, really, just more of a low-scoring version of it. And there's plenty of uh, good stories for the Tigers across the board. But I think the one we've got to start with is not the North Smith medalist, but uh, the man who played his first game, who uh, should have been the North Smith medalist, in should my opinion. Should have been the North Smith medalist is the biggest <laughs> joke. I I've thought he had, had a huge influence on the game. There was, uh, is no Marley way. And Pickett. Um, he was, you know, in jail a few years ago. He came over from the, from the West and... Uh, Mate, he did not put a foot wrong in his AFL debut. Can you 
Just like, can you give us like a rundown of why you think Pickett should have been the Norm Smith medalist? Oh, just because I thought he had the most influence when the game was uh, winding that second quarter. The most influence. He said, oh, yeah, Dusty kicked a few. Uh, in the last, did he kick two in the last quarter, Dusty? No, he kicked one in each quarter. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, I might take that back. But um, no, I thought that Pickett, you know, when, when Richmond really sort of uh, tore away from the Giants at the start of the second term, he was sort of in the middle at every stoppage. He won those few clearances. I think he set up three goals in a row or something or three scores in a row. Um, he, I thought he was just his class around the ball. I mean, I, I think I was definitely sold on it until maybe Dusty kicked that goal at the end. I was like, well, oh, maybe not. But The only reason Pickett kicked a goal is because Dusty gave up what was going to be his fifth. Yeah, do you sure he would have kicked it? was still a fair way out, though, Dusty. It wasn't like he, he would have kicked that goal. But still, yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I'm, I still think that you know, Dusty was a worthy winner, but I, thought I, was more, I was maybe just a bit more. And I reckon, the story. I don't think you can forget the fact that Dusty had 22 and he still copped the DeBoer tag for a fair bit of the match. Yeah, I don't no, think you can understate good. the fact that he had a tagger on him as well. Yeah, I mean, I was probably just getting into the story a bit, a little yeah. bit there, but uh, no, I thought his, uh, I thought he was probably second best in Marlin Pickett. I mean, he was just absolutely superb. Um, Dylan, I Mal- definitely think he deserved the votes he got. But yeah, he was fantastic. Dylan, what was your thoughts on the uh, on on the debutante? The fact that he polled a vote at all, though, is... Yeah, it's pretty good effort. Incredible. Yeah. For sure. And I mean, um, probably the moment of the match for me was uh, Pickett doing that blind turn out of the out of the uh, centre square and... Uh, so clean. Hitting up. Pretty hit up. He hit up Rewild or Dusty or someone. Um, Rewild, I think. Rewild. No, he hit up Castagna. That's Castagna, yeah, who Castagna. obviously missed the goal. Zero goals, five for Jason Castagna. But I thought that was just really um, just to show, you know, how good of a player he can be. He's very composed. And on the game's biggest stage, he certainly delivered. So that was probably... The story of the game, I think, uh, from me. But they were gone. We were talking about him before, but Dusty as well. Two Norseth medals. Um, he was just absolutely phenomenal, wasn't he? Again. Yeah, he's a freak. Yeah. Can't be beaten. Like I said, that, that was always going to be the key when, um, you know, when the ball went to him. He just had to play four because there was no clear matchup for him all day. Like, who, who was realistically going to take him and beat him? Uh, Shaw played him for large periods when he was 40. He just was never going to compete. Shaw did do a pretty good job. He, he considering was okay. all things considered, and considering they Richmond had the ball inside fifty pretty much the whole game, I think Shaw did a pretty decent job on him. Um, but still, as you said, uh, he was never going to keep him too far down. And um, a couple of Dusty's goals were pretty hard to stop. But yeah, um, I do think Shaw did all right. Yeah, I mean, I think um, with Dusty, obviously he's so dangerous one on one, and that's really yeah, what Harbick really did it um, up at the Gabba as well. I mean, he found he found that you know that's where Briz's weakness was. They didn't have that defender to go with him, and I guess that was sort of similar to GWS. I mean, they had you know Haynes and stuff, but Darcy sort of a bit more agile for the tools, and they didn't really have like that strong enough small defender to really you know stop his influence. And he also got up the ground and got a bit of the ball as well. Even when he was on DeBoer, I thought he took him to town, and we'll talk about Matt DeBoer later on in the program. But um, yeah, I just thought that his influence on the game was just uh, phenomenal. I mean. I probably nothing about now. Pickett probably didn't deserve to be North Smith medalist, but um, <laughs> you know, it was just it was just a great uh great game from Dusty. Two North Smiths now, and he's really putting himself into a all time great category. I think now. And I think what's actually helped Dusty a bit this final series. Obviously, he's averaged four goals a game for the finals, which is pretty crazy. But I think like the emergence of Prestia as a serious A grade midfielder. You know, Edwards running through there more, even 
just the game on the weekend, Pickett running through there. With a few more kind of A-grade midfield options going around, it gives Dusty a bit more flexibility to go forward and Richmond not to lose too much in the midfield. Um, and I think that was a really big part of uh, uh, Richmond's final series in general. You think the th- other thing, uh, like we say, Martin, uh, obviously one of the all-time greats now, and I mentioned the other day, he's uh, alongside the likes of Matthew Richardson, Kevin Bartlett, Jack Dyer. He, d- he has to be in the mix for these top five players, and considering he's probably got 100 and 120, 150 more games in him at least, um, he could go down as Richmond's greatest ever. Definitely could, and I think, um, I mean, I personally always think that Brownlow's mean a bit more than Norm Smith's. I think being the best player for the whole year is a bit of a bigger deal than playing best in a granny because some players just don't get the chance to do that as often as others. Um, so I think he's got a... If he can add another Brownlow to his resume at some point in the next two or three years when he's still in his prime, uh, I think it's going to be very hard to argue against him. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, he's obviously that, that kind of a flashy player that will definitely be able to poll votes pretty easily. I mean, he's still got 20-odd this year and probably didn't have the greatest start to the season. No, so. I think, yeah, Dusty, he's definitely got a chance. I mean, if you look at Gary Ablett, he's, you know, two brown... He only won two brown lines and didn't get a Norman Smith and just won the same amount of flags. And Gadge probably had better players around him too. So Dusty's probably been the clear best player on the on the Richmond side. Definitely, um, yeah, puts him in sort of all-time great category, as I said before. And, yeah, it's great to see um, him go out there and play well again. Only one of four players now, I think, who have won yeah. three, two Norman medals. So no, great stuff for Dusty there. And, um... It also wasn't all about the stars for the Tigers. I mean, obviously, Rewalt to kick his five and um, you know, had a big influence on the game, took some big marks. But the Young Sung heroes as well were, you know, everyone just sort of played their role. I mean, the defenders, Asprey was very, very good on Jeremy Cameron. Um, Dylan Grimes did what Dylan Grimes does. And I thought it was a great team effort from the Tigers from uh, number 22 to number one on, on, the, uh, on the team on the day. One player that I think actually had a ripper game and I personally think if he learnt to kick in front of goals, could have had a Norm Smith, is Jason Castagna. Some yeah, of Castagna. his runs, like breaking lines, he uh, he had some seriously good plays in there. And, and if he could actually finish his goals, he would have had an unbelievable game. He had the most score involvements on the ground. Um, and just, just impact plays all around. And he had, he had quite a few touches as well. It's not like he just had two or three. He had 20 for the day. So if that was 0-5 becomes 3-2, he would have had an unbelievable grand final. Yeah, certainly. I couldn't believe, and I have, I actually had a mate uh, mate from work had a bet on uh, Jason Castagna anytime goal scorer, and he couldn't even get one. <laughs> he so he was, uh, he was devastated there. But, um, yeah, he was unbelievable. And even some of those marks he was taking, I think he took yeah. five or well, six marks. The one marks from the, the picket day. kick was was a seriously good grab. Yeah, he sort of juggled it and it comes yeah, that was really good. For a small bloke like that, unbelievable. Yeah, I mean it kind of had shades of the obviously Richmond won the game, but uh Charlie Dixon twenty seventeen elimination final. I mean kick straight and would have been, you know, one of the best games for a small forward you see in a while. So yeah, it was just great to see Castagna probably really have a breakout game, even though zero goals five doesn't really reflect how good he was. But he was just, yeah, as I said before, one of uh, one of many of those uh, unsung Richmond players. Because me and Louis were talking about it last week. On paper, you could probably save it the Giants talent-wise. Probably outmatch Richmond if you looked at it paper for, on paper. But in terms, you know, that sort of shows that the game isn't played on paper. I mean, you got that game style that Dimmer's got. Everyone's bought in. And even players like, you know, Brandon Ellis was a uh, player to show. Nick Vlostwin had, had the 22 touches. was excellent on half-back. He was probably another unsung hero of the day. Just looking through now as well. So you can see like a lot of the major ball winners are GWS players, even still. So 
just shows sort of the, the the total team effort it was from Richmond. Everyone sort of went. Of all the players in the Richmond team, I mean, I've loved Brandon Ellis for a while, <laughs> but I'm not going to miss him that much. Oh, um, mate, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be giving him a five-year deal. What about you, Dylan, mate? You would. I reckon you nah, would. No, nah, I'd give him a five-year deal when he was 40 years old. But no, nah, you know, <laughs> you, know you, could, you could not be devastated about him going. He's, no, and not he, at all. You, you, what would you realistically, what would have Richmond offered you? I'm guessing in the ballpark of 350, 360. If that. Not, yeah, not even have, probably. I felt like we were wasting a lot of money if we were giving him that. Yeah, he, he just has to go. Like, he wouldn't. He's, if you just think. You bring Stack into the side and push Baker up to the wing, and I think you've got a better team than with Brandon. Plus, plus Marlon Pickett's going to obviously pop a spot hold his next spot. year. Just I think, yeah, with that whole Richmond and Brandon Ellis, we've got, obviously we're not really talking about trades now, but that whole um, mantra of they're just um, getting all their big players on big money, so they've got like that four or five who, yeah. you know, take out a, a fair chunk of their salary cap, but they sort of do, they just back their culture in. To get all these younger there you know, are a players lot of them to taking pay cuts, they are, which is very, very good. I mean, it's just a sign of a great side. And I think Hawthorne Trent did Cotton's it. taking probably about half of what he could be getting. I don't think Rance is taking as much money as he could get. It's, There's a few of them that do take pay cuts to make yeah, the team work for sure. And that's, that's, that's exactly what you need. I mean, I think Hawthorne were the key, you know, factor in that. They they did it perfectly for all those years. So very, very damaging, a very, very uh, ominous signs for this competition because Richmond also get. Probably the best defender in the game back next year as well, and Alex Rance will slot back into that team beautifully. So, yeah, I mean, watching Richmond play, that was probably their masterpiece. And uh, Dylan, if you could just wrap up, you know, the Tigers' performance. We'll go, over the, go on to the Giants in a sec, but just give us one final wrap-up of the Tigers' performance. Oh, just, yeah, like I say, unbelievable. Um, it's all about the, the Richmond man, as they say. You mentioned the pay cuts there, and you hear about it a lot in the media. Um, Cochin was talking about it a little bit the other day. You know, since Hardwick's been at the club, like not through the tough time, like all through the tough time as well, he's talked about being a Richmond man, and you know, they really they like to keep it internal, exactly what it's all about. But it's just being selfless, you know, playing your role, and uh, doing everything for the club, and that's exactly what we saw on the weekend once again. For sure. And now we'll go on to the other side, the losers of the day, and that was the GWS Giants came into this game with a lot of hope. Man, they were playing fantastic footy. Probably deserved to, you know, obviously they weren't favourites, but they deserved to be, you know, in the conversation to potentially pull off an upset. And after about, you know, even probably after Briola kicked that goal on the siren at the fourth quarter time, they were just uh, a shell of their former selves. It was just, you know, to get that far and put up that performance, um, it can really do a lot of damage to your club moving forward. And I'm not saying the Giants will go down, but, you know, it, it, we saw what happened to Port, the Crows, after it happens. Like, it's, it definitely is hard to take, isn't it? A phrase that you hear pretty often, I reckon, this week is that the Giants played their grand final last week, um, which in, to an extent you can't really help but but kind of agree with that. You know, the difference between three weeks in a row, two seriously hard games in a row um, compared to Richmond who had had a week off. And, you know, the game against Geelong wasn't easy, but at least in the last quarter they didn't really feel like they were going to miss out. Um, and then just that combined with all the finals experience, grand final experience that GWS didn't have. Um, yeah, the odds were against them. Um, and I do think it's a bit different. Like if you compare the Crows, their grand final that they lost pretty heavily to Richmond as well compared to GWS, I do think there's a bit of a difference going in as heavy underdogs compared to going in as favourites and getting beaten badly. So I don't know. I don't, I don't think GWS will... I don't think that club's going to be ruined by it. I actually think they'll be a lot better for it um, going forward. Um, their list is so young. 
that they've got nothing to worry about there. Um, probably a, you know, a positive learning experience for them. Um, as a Giants fan, I wouldn't be obviously you're upset when you lose a grand final, but not the worst circumstances to lose them in, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, if you look on there, if you were to look at GWS, the 22 players that took the field uh, in the grand final, you'd probably only really be able to say maybe five, six, maybe seven at a push, actually. Probably were, 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 would have got a pass mark after the game if they're doing a review and they, you know, sometimes different clubs, they they do grade players each game, which is pretty tough. But you'd say there was maybe only, yeah, like a handful of players that actually passed. Um, and yeah, if even a few big big blokes like Jeremy Finlayson, Whitfield, Phil Davis, uh, and even Josh Kelly, they, they all lowered their colours in that grand final. But um, they, were, they certainly weren't the uh, only side to do so against Richmond in the last couple of seasons. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously the Giants, I think they were just sort of beaten above the head, I think. Um, sorry, above the uh, the ears, I think is what the uh, term the phrase is. Um, yeah, they were just, they were just um, completely overawed by the Richmond pressure. Obviously the Tigers had been there before. But if you kind of look at it, yeah, I mean, as I said before, like a lot of the major ball winners were GWS, which kind of shows that they overused the ball way too much, I thought. They handball way too much. They were standing still. And that just sort of, they, they kind of, they, they, yeah, they invited the Richmond pressure, I think. They didn't really help themselves uh, too much, I think, the uh, GWS side. I mean, obviously, all that's been said about the tournaments of uh, Finlayson, uh, Kelly, Whitfield and the like, they certainly lowered their colours. So they had to live with that this offseason, I think. Um, and you can go really go one or two ways. They could uh, embrace it and, you know, fall down, or they can, you know, be motivated even more to get back. So it'll be interesting to see what this giant side does. But, yeah, I mean, there wasn't too many uh, winners on the ground for GWS, that's for sure. Uh, one of the few that I do think was very good on the day was Tim Taranto. I actually thought he had a, a great game yeah, he was um, on Saturday. 33 touches, 15 contested. He, he did everything he could. But, yeah, as you say, apart from him, I mean, Haynes had a bit of a crack. Green only really got a few touches towards the end of the game when the game was over, so his his game wasn't too good. But um, I do think Tim Taranto certainly showed that he can perform on, on any stage. And, I mean, I know they lost by 89 points, but he actually was one of the better players on the ground at the end of the day. Um, yeah, he fought, he fought hard in the midfield. Um, yeah, but apart from him, realistically, uh, a lot of poor performances from GWS. Should they have picked Bobby Hill, according to the old Lewis Coventry dealer, mate? Definitely not. Me and Lewis had a big conversation about this. He was adamant last week. Adamant. I wish you were there, mate. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I I mean, I I wasn't quite sure. I mean, he he actually might have been talking about the reserves grand final. They didn't even make that. But, yeah, um, it was pretty... Funny stuff there from Lewis. Um, <laughs> I think he probably would have uh, got absolutely plastered out there in the field, to be honest. Would have had maybe three touches. Maybe would have even let Finn Lason off the hook and got zero. But uh, no, I think um, with GWS, I mean, obviously, there's a lot to be proud of if you're um, that side. You, know, you weren't really expected to make the grand final. But the one player I thought was probably tied for most disappointing, he had a great final series, was uh, Matt DePaul. He got his covers lowered by Dustin Martin. And Shane Edwards as well got a hold of him too. Yeah, certainly um, did. He, well, he he had three scouts throughout the year and everyone, you know, building up for him to dominate once again. Um, but he was certainly humbled. <laughs> like, he was he was just dominated. Um, Martin started well, he, strong he, early. He's had more than three scalps. No, I don't, not in the final series. He's only played three oh, games, mate. Oh, I thought he meant, like, the whole year. Nah, three scalps in three weeks. And no, then, I thought he meant the whole season. Nah. Like, mate. He's had a lot more than that. And he played time on... 
yeah, you know, Martin Preston and Edwards, but I just think they all got a hold of him. I don't think he kept really anyone quiet for any... And what confused me, after having such a good game on side bottom last year, why did Reed just go back into defense? I mean, there, there wasn't really a wingman he could really... Because he really had wingman, so... Yeah, there wasn't yeah, really anyone who could play I reckon on. he could have... I would have put him on... Like, I think Dylan's been saying it all week. I'll put him on Hawley. Hawley yeah, needed that to been be good. shut down. Yeah, he was a very good basher, wasn't he? Because, I mean, you take out Hawley, you've basically just really got Jaden Short as a, as a high-quality rebounding defender. And even Jaden Short doesn't get that many touches. He's got a really damaging leg. But it's not a high possession getter. I think tagging Hawley would have made a big difference to the game. It did make sense. Like you would have thought, I would have thought for most coaches that'd be the first sort of one of the first sort of blokes you go to. Hawley, um, you know, he's, I reckon he's probably almost got the best field kick, arguably in the game. I love his action. Um, try, he did get a little bit of cheap ball in that grand final, but it was he was still very very damaging player. But the cheap ball, like Hawley getting cheap ball, if you can shut that down, which isn't that hard to do as a tagger, um, just makes it that little bit harder for Richmond to have, you know, a great ball user coming out of defence and that defence to forward 50 kind of transition gets shut down that little bit more. So, yeah, didn't make much sense to me. Interesting stuff. And the last point before we get off this uh, grand final was uh, Phil Davis is obviously... Cleared to play right before the bounce, and he was uh, absolutely taken to town by Jack Rewalt. Didn't even like he he did not look fit to play. I don't think if that wasn't a grand final, I think he probably would have sat out. So, do you reckon he should have uh, pulled pulled the plug? Definitely should have pulled the plug, considering the considering the bloke he had in the wings who absolutely gave Brody Majek a bar. There was no way. Uh, there's no way you'd be picking a seventy percent Phil Davis over a hundred percent fit Lockie Keith. Like, it's, I reckon it's just a massive cop out, and he. And he's copped it all, you know, post-game, and he's copped it during the week. Um, it wouldn't have made a difference. At the end of the day, it wouldn't have made a difference to the result. But it's just a principle of it. Like, he, he, was, he wasn't even close to 75% fit. He was, he was horrendous. Yeah, I don't know. I just, it's a tough call. It's a tough call to make. But I just think a lot of the time, you know, so many times that you do pick a bloke like that, Oh, I guess I guess it depends to what extent they knew like how fit he was, but if there was any chance that he could be like anywhere near a hundred percent, then I would have picked him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously he didn't look like he was near hundred percent. I mean, he hardly got off the ground the whole game, and Rewalt took him apart. So yeah, I'm I'm here with Dylan. I think they probably should have gone with um Lockie Keith there. I mean, obviously the the captain of the grand final side, you're going to do everything you can to um get up. So. Yeah, I'm not really saying that he shouldn't, you know. I'm not yeah, not really blaming him. But yeah, I thought in hindsight, looking back on it, it probably was the wrong decision for him to play. And um I mean with that much doubt, you know, just an hour and a half before the game, I mean you really you're not right to play. Sure. I don't think. And yeah, yeah I mean they definitely got got found out there um on the weekend. So a lot to think about from GWS perspective after such a great final series. They're kinda of left with more questions than answers, I think, um, heading into next season. Yeah, certainly agreed. I think they're still going to be around the mark again next year. Um, and like you say, some clubs who obviously has a big impact on impact on them losing a grand final to that extent. Obviously, the power. I know the power they were aging at the time, but they haven't made it back to you know top four since that. So they made the a few years eight in twenty twelve. They made top four again, but never really threatened since the. The 07 grand final, so it's uh, it's always interesting to see how teams do bounce back after such a finals hammering. For sure, so we've got plenty, um, plenty to look forward to. With the obviously the Tigers forming this dynasty 
could it go for the next couple of years? It's looking likely in the Giants. Can they get back? It was not a great grand final, but, you know, tell plenty of storylines as there always is. Uh, move on now. We should have a talk you know, Obviously, all the season's finished now, and um, it's time for probably, many think, the best part of the season, the, uh, <laughs> the trades and uh, everything. Crows fan it is. Like that, man. There's, there's a lot going on. I mean, uh, uh, there's so, obviously, we'll just start. I mean, we'll just start, obviously, with... um. The Gold Coast Suns and the concessions they received from the AFL. What's your immediate takeaway from that and did they deserve it? I don't know if deserves the right word, but I think they needed it. Like if if this club is going to get anywhere, they need to start winning games and they need to start winning games soon. Um, I mean, you can argue whether or not draft picks is the best way to get them there. I personally think it is. Um, I think they've basically got to go back to square one stockpile draft picks do what GWS did and you know get a whole heap of talent and get to the top um, obviously it's not that easy because their, their problem hasn't been getting players it's been retaining them um, which yeah obviously is a bit tougher but to start off with just need to get young talent to the club which is what they just don't have right now and they've got to keep these like they've got they've got these for the next three or four years or whatever it is um, they've just got to keep these players now like 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 you said, retention is the biggest thing, and it hasn't it hasn't been a thing for the last five years. They haven't been able to retain anyone. Obviously, we see through Richmond, uh, three four was it three former Gold Coast players uh, being uh, lifting up the cup for Richmond on the weekend in Lynch, Prestia, and obviously Josh Caddy. So that it's just players have got that lure to go home. Um, you know, if you're not winning games, these young players aren't going to want to stay there, but. Yeah, this is probably the. Well, obviously, it's the last crack for them in the next three or four years. Um, and it, but they've got to retain guys like the coaches ranking at the moment because there's no point losing all these guys and then you're back to square one again. One thing that I was thinking about today, just in terms of that retention of players, kind of kind of thing, I can just imagine. Imagine being a Gold Coast player, right? The last couple of days, probably on social media, seen a whole lot of stuff. You know, Tom Lynch, Josh Caddy, Dion Presti are having the time of their lives at the Richmond Man Monday. Compare that to a couple of weeks ago when, when Gold Coast and the other bottom eight sides were having their Mad Monday. And there are people in the media absolutely bashing them for enjoying themselves. Like, yeah, what, what on earth is going gonna, is gonna to keep people at your club if you're not allowed to even enjoy the season afterwards? It's just what baffles me about what some of these journalists say. Like, how on earth are you going to keep players at your club if you're not even allowed to enjoy yourself when the season's done? Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, I mean, the culture is a big problem at the GW, at the Gold Coast Suns. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think one and two, they need to happen because obviously Raul and Anderson are, you know, best mates. They're obviously two clear one and two in the draft. I think that's where they sort of got to start now. Get them, get them to really build the foundation, Um, you know, Build the club around those two guys. The coach should rank in as well. I'm a bit worried about the coach just coming back. I think uh, he'll, he hasn't extended his contract either as Ben King. So I think there's a few there. So the Gold Coast just need to build that culture. I mean, they probably get a bit too many draft picks for my liking. I mean, they got uh, at the end of the second round, end of the first round this year. They got another first round of next year and another second round of the year after. Plus all that recruiting thing, which I uh, don't underestimate that as well because they just get to take all the, any really talented players from that Darwin area. But to be to fair, the Gold Coast how free. many how many really talented players are there coming from the Darwin area every year? Oh, not heaps, but there's still you know the potential to be a few. I mean, there's been a few champions from You'll there. You get one or two. Yeah, but they'll you know. You get or two one or two who would have been between twenty and thirty. You're not going to get that many. The only one I can think of is Zach Bailey, who was a 
pick 21 recently. From, ba- from Darwin, yeah. There, there aren't too many that I can think of. There are a couple of check. Obviously, like back in the, going back a while, you got uh, Nathan Buckley and Andrew McLeod from that area. There are a couple yeah. of there. They're not, they're not bad. A, you're going back a while, though. <laughs> they're not bad. So there is talent from that area. <laughs> and I mean, they they could be getting themselves a free you're going uh, back Andrew a McLeod. little while. Um, but, you know, obviously, it's a, you know, talented area. You know, there's, there's a fair few. <laughs> Uh, we all know the uh, influence of Aboriginal small forwards as our uh, Louis loves to, you know, go on about. So there could be a few up there. Yeah, it does need a chat. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that, yeah, we can't um, underestimate that as well. I mean, obviously, they, they need some assistance. I thought they were just going to get that pick, that conversation pick. And then, yeah, the recruiting as, as well. I think all the other picks aren't really necessary, but... I it, think they I need everything. To be honest, I would just, as someone who, I don't know, would like to see them get off the ground, just... But give them more. But give just, them even but more than they need. It's just bringing eighteen-year-olds in the right thing to do. I mean, they did have three picks in the top. What was it? Three picks in the top ten last year. They had um. Yeah, they've, had, they've always had lots of high draft picks, and it hasn't worked. I think they got to focus on bringing in um more retiration talent somehow. And I reckon that's just got to be giving them more money so they can just throw as much money as they can that. at players. I mean, obviously doing with Ellis and uh, Greenwood and players like that, but. I reckon that's probably the best way to do it. So you can just you just gotta give someone more enough, offer them enough money that they just can't refuse to go in there. Basically, one thing um, that I actually was thinking about, which I think probably works pretty well in the NBA, is where basically you're allowed to like offer players more money or like go over the salary cap if you're re-signing them. Um, and I think something along those lines for the Gold Coast could help out because if you've got a young player who's thinking of going back to Melbourne, but then all of a sudden, just based purely on the rules, Gold Coast can offer him an extra couple hundred K a year. It's going to be pretty hard to say no to. For sure. Dylan, what do you, what do you reckon? What do you reckon would be the best uh, course of action if you were the commission for the Gold Coast Suns? Yeah, what Randy said there is, I haven't actually thought about that before, but that seems like a really good point. You know, for a few years, if you are letting them extend their salary cap by 15 20% even, um, you know, to try and retain like three exclusively or four. for retained. Players, yeah, exactly. Not for other. Not players. for like not for trying to coop players across. Um, no, I, don't, I don't even reckon that it'd be good to coop players across. I mean, they need to bring mature talent in there, but I guess the retention thing is important too. I think I don't know. You bring in a few high quality. I don't know. They're bringing in, what this year. They're going to bring in Brandon Ellis and potentially Brad Crouch, right? Like and where's that going to get you? As well, but it just get you more. Where's competitive, that going to get I you compared? But it's not about being competitive. They've got to be like they've got to be. If they want fans, they've got to be really good. Yeah, but I guess that also just helps. You know, the likes of Raul and Anderson. They don't have to carry as much of a load True. as well. I guess, and just so yeah, because obviously, as I said before, they've had so much. You know, top ten picks over the last. Five, five years and hasn't worked so but what would you rather would you rather them be getting Greenwood Ellis and Brad Crouch or would you rather them be retaining Tom Lynch Chris Prestia Caddy etc 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 yeah true I mean yeah obviously there's a lot to uh, dissect there and yeah I mean yeah, I mean retention too retention would yeah definitely be used like for retention but I think even still um, putting more money into letting him take you know letting offer off opposition players more like you know those like mature bit more mature bodies would be very good for him it's going to be interesting times, but hopefully, like, honestly, hopefully they do succeed in the next few years because we want to see football up in that area. And as you know, as the population be- uh, continues to grow, I know it's Gold Coast has been an area where clubs have failed in all sports in the last fifteen years, but we really do want it to succeed because it, it would be awesome if it did. 
You know who wouldn't want it to succeed? Tasmanians. Yeah, they really, they really <laughs> want the, uh, the club down there. But this sort of has shades of me over sort of this, this is your last chance. Got to get this right or you're I done so. kind of thing. Yeah, and I think that's how it needs to be. For sure. I mean, obviously, yeah, Gold Coast Suns are a big talking point. And they're you know, obviously going to be a talking point for this whole trade period because they also can use all these picks to you know, trade and you know, potentially bring in that Brad Crouch type player. And speaking of Brad Crouch, the Adelaide Crows are another big, um, big, big player in this trade period. They've already had you know, six players uh, on their way out the door. Um, we'll just have a brief chat about Adelaide, um, just sort of more of the um, player movement side of things. Um, how do you reckon you see these movements? Um, it's interesting because obviously there a lot of the players leaving apart from obviously Brad Crouch aren't your top notch players. And Brad Crouch isn't leaving yet. Yeah, Brad Crouch obviously there's no certainty. Nah, um, he won't Ed. There's no he's, certainty. He's fallen. Um, but I still think it affects the club quite a lot. Like you know, the likes of some of these players leaving. I think losing depth is is really important, and I don't think it's like. Like, last year, Richmond lost a lot of depth players, but it was depth players not getting a game, whereas I think the Crows are losing depth players who should be in their first 22, which I still think does make a pretty big difference, you know, to your bottom six, which we talk about quite a lot. We do, but I think, obviously, I'm a bit biased, but I think this is um, what the Crows need to do, I think, because they've, sort of, they've, they've had a go with this team. They were, they were the oldest team in the AFL last year, and they came 11th, so obviously... They, they need to do something. I mean, this this sort of forces their hand into playing a lot of these youngsters who, I mean, obviously, we don't know who, how they're going because how they're going to go because you've got all these uh, 27, 28-year-olds, even 30-year-olds in the side. Um, I, mean, I think this is really the list overhaul that I think that need to happen. Probably could happen last year, but they thought they could run it back. Didn't work again. So I think it's time to, you know, let it go. They do have still enough experience on the squad as well. I mean, you still got the likes of Walker, who's 29, Sloan in there. Dave McKay saying for another year as well. I've got to keep one of them. Um, Dave McKay. Obviously, he, yes. probably, he probably won't get a game, but he was still a bit of experience around the club as well. You know, Brady Smith played, played played a lot of footy there too. Uh, Rory Laird, the Crouch brothers. So that I think the core players is there, um, I think, for Adelaide. I mean, I'm not really real. <laughs> Mate, it's, it's uh, I think there's still a lot to be you know, not excited about. But, you know, I don't think they're going to bottom out next year. There's still enough talent on the team. To potentially push for the, the finals. The thing that does kind of concern me about the Crows at the moment is, as you say, they're probably, they've kind of realised that the premiership window they had basically just for one year more or less in 2017 is now gone. Um, yeah, so I just don't know what the point of, of even, you know, trying to do something with a lot of these players is. Like, for example, Brad Crouch, if I were the Crows, I'd definitely think about moving him on. Like, could, yeah. They I mean, don't have that much young, like, super exciting talent. I think Darcy Fogarty is pretty exciting, but he could be anything. He might not be that that amazing. But apart from him, there's not that much that would really get you, you know, terribly excited. Yeah. If there's interest there, yeah. Don't just try and sit between 6 and 11 for the next five years because I don't think yeah. that does too much for your club. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. I mean, obviously, Brad is an interesting one. Um, obviously, he had a very good year this year. He didn't play much footy beforehand. He's still only 24, 25. So I think that 
he's one who can definitely improve. Um, I thought, I think, yeah, there's a bit, there's a bit of sameness in that Crows midfield. I do like what um, Miller and Smith getting in there next year to provide a bit of pace. I reckon that's what they'll do next year. Obviously, the lack of a coach as well is interesting. True. But if I can get a good guy in there, then Ross yeah. Lyon didn't want a bar. Yeah, but I don't want to bar of him anyway, so that's <laughs> all right. Um, I think they've called off Scott Burns a bit, apparently. Um, I don't think he's... They reckon they've uh, gone off him. Um, Matthew Nix is up there, so it's going to be interesting I to see. I can't believe Ross Lyon said no, though. Yeah, I, mean, I don't a senior know. coaching job is a senior coaching job. It is, yeah. It's a bit odd from Ross, but, you know, Ross is an odd fella. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, obviously, I think that well, they're, on, they're on the right track to what they want to do. I mean, obviously, they're not going to contend for the flag next year or anything, but... This is, this is the start of, you know, a bit of a, a list cleanse. They've still got enough uh, experience and talent there to, you know, not be a basket case next year. With a new coach, new game plan, you never know. They could potentially uh, not rise, rise up the ladder a little bit. But, yeah, I think that um, yeah, Adelaide's an interesting one. Uh, but also, interesting all one. those players, that I think, that aren't required players, I think. And um, people are sort of freaking out that so many players are leaving. But, honestly, I think that the change had to happen. Another um, team that I think is in a pretty interesting position is is Sydney. Um, obviously, they're trying to make a move for Danaher there, um, and, and it looks like they're going to lose Papley. Can you guys see Sydney coming anywhere near the top eight next year after a couple of moves, or do you still think they're probably a lower side on the ladder? I definitely can. I think from Zach mentioning earlier today, their full line they're going to have, obviously, Buddy getting older, it's, it's all going to come down to, I think, how quickly that uh, Blakely can um, develop and if Dano can stay on the park. Because if they do, that's going to be a formidable forward line. you think maybe something someone like a Reed, he could, uh, to try and sort of rejuvenate his career to a sense, uh, he could probably move back. I reckon they could easily play him down back. Yeah, I think I think, I think that's what they'll do if they get Dano, which I think what uh, is going around, I think that will happen. And then they've got guys like, obviously, Heaney, Mills, Florent. Uh, they got some really good young talent, so I think wouldn't be surprised. They've well, done it against Sydney. They'll they'll be going straight back up, I reckon. And I reckon they'll be straight ra- back up. Yeah, I reckon they'll be around the mark for top six next year. Seriously. Well, if they, if they get down to her, I mean, they'll be a better side. I mean, Buddy will probably be. You know, I can't see Buddy um getting much better to be honest. Um, now um, over the next couple of years, um, I think if they get down to her, they'll be a pretty good side. Their midfield's a bit same same though. I don't really rate their midfield much anymore. Parker's good, Heaney's good, but other than that, they lack a bit of depth there. I think Zach Jones could be on the way out as well, so they probably lack a bit of depth through there. Defensively, they're you know they're pretty strong. I mean, Rampy's obviously a fantastic player, but you know they have lost a bit of uh, experience back there as well. So it's the likes of building Alir Alir and uh, Lewis Melkin up. So I don't think next year will be even their year, even if it, year, even if Danaher comes in to the side. Papley is obviously a big out. Is they're probably their best small forward, keep the most goals for the Swans this year. So. I don't know. I think um, with the Sydney Swans, I'll probably back them to probably finish around 12 or 13th next year, to be honest. But, you know, changing things have happened. Yeah, no. Um, they've got a bit of talent. They've got enough to go somewhere. Like They, they, don't, they don't really have a ruck either. Yeah, it's true, actually. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I think they can definitely be around. And, and we just know the way that Sydney, and we've said it year after year, but they, they seem to get the job done. And they're a club that doesn't stay down for very long at all you know they do they've obviously used the top up strategy in the last few years um recycled players uh, going back to the, you know 2012 flag with the guys like mclean uh obviously kennedy not kennedy not so much recycled but got him for not 
a whole heap from uh, Hawthorne. So they, they're just a club that just seems to, they know exactly what they're going to do. So you can never really doubt them. Yeah, I mean, obviously anything can happen. Um, if you had uh, Joe Danaher, if they brought in Joe Danaher, obviously you're going to have to, pu- I think you'll have to push one of Blakey and Danaher, obviously top to the wing. I reckon um, Nick Blakey probably would be pushed out of that forward line and you know more into a wing position. What do you guys think of that proposition? Yeah, I don't have an issue with that. I think that works pretty well, to be honest. Yeah, well, we, we know he's running capacity and um, you know, his ability to use the ball really well, but it's just it's going to be pretty early in his development. But yeah, it'll be. I'll, it's certainly something that could happen. For sure. I mean, the Swans are interesting team. There are a lot of interesting teams. We're not going to obviously go through every side mm-hmm. now, but just um, a couple of key players. I just want to get your quick opinions on. We'll obviously chat more about the uh, trade period as it progresses. We'll have a few more episodes. Uh, dedicated to that but the one i'm really interested to get your take on especially you dylan is the uh, tim kelly deal um do you see that getting done what for and um to free our into calculations yeah free is certainly into calculations and that and especially if, if kelly's saying he wants to come home which there's probably no doubt he does he wants to come home um he's got to be he's got to be looking at all options I, like he's nominated west coast but at the end of the day it comes down to the best deal that geelong can get and if he ends up free well yeah. That's where he's and going. Are, because... For the Cats, it's certainly Fremantle where they want to be working with. They've got pick, well, pick six at the moment. They're going to get pick seven in there as well with Bradley Hill going over to the Saints. Um, so they can just go six and seven for Tim Kelly straight off like that. So obviously the Cats will be letting the Eagles know that the Dockers do have that um, oh, just a lot more ask, um, a lot more armory to get Tim Kelly in. If you're Tim Kelly, I would almost look at the Dockers. I mean, with Nat Fife in there. They got Hogan, uh, Alex Pierce down back, Rory Lobb. It's not necessarily the worst uh, team to go into. I don't think you can you can argue that. Um, Obviously, West Coast is better. Even close to being a better option. But that being said, if you're Tim Kelly, you're asking to go home. Geelong, a club that you know gave you your chance at AFL level. Uh, I think if he's being fair to them um, and Geelong are doing the best thing for them, then they'll definitely be uh, having a lot of conversations with Fremantle. Yeah, because like I said, he got the opportunity and wants to go back, which is, well, you can say it's fair enough, but I still don't think it is, and that's a whole other argument when it comes to the control for the players in this day and age. But yeah, like, like you say, he's got to do the best thing for the for himself first, but also the club. You know, you got to be like you say, you got to be fair to them as well. For sure, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. I reckon that'll be a, a last minute deal. I reckon the West Coast Eagles probably get over the line, but. Um, the great people definitely are not talking as much as the Dockers as I think they should because Freo are a definite chance in there. Um, last one I want to talk about more and more broadly before we uh, I do a little exercise with you guys. Um, Tom Papley, yeah, I think he's got four years left on his deal, but he's requested a trade to the Blues. Um, I think he's a perfect fit for the Blues, to be honest. Something they're going they to really have to give up a lot. Need. They're going to have to give up a lot, I think. They're going to have to give up a lot, but Pick I think eight, something I think they really they're need. Up. I think their list is is starting to actually round off very nicely. We saw the second half of the year that they can win games and win games against good teams. Um, and as a Blues fan, I'd be happy to give up quite a lot for him. Yeah, I think I think he's the sort of player who can... You know, we've seen Eddie over the years and, uh, you know, some other four, small forwards like Robbie Gray, but there's not a whole heap of midfielders, uh, small forwards that can actually generally go into the midfield and have an impact. Um, it's actually a pretty, it's a rarity in this day and age and even the last decade of footy, it's, you know, there's only a dime a dozen players that can actually do that. And Papley is one of those players who can play midfield or forward. Just, just looking at, you know, probably what I think are the top three teams in the competition, the top three who will be like vying for a premiership next year. Collingwood, Richmond, West Coast. 
all have great small forwards and their small forwards have an absolutely massive impact on their games. Um, so I think if you want to contend uh, in this current era of footy, you need gun small forwards and that's what I think the Blues will be getting. Sure, and the whole um, con- in-contract sort of thing, I mean, Tom Papley just re-signed last year, so it seems a bit something something might have happened there with Papley wanting to come home. Um, so that means obviously Carlton are going to have to give up big eight. They could, do, obviously I saw some stuff, I mean, Joe Danaher, they could do a three club deal there to go um, with the I Swans and the Bombers. Them, and, and I think a lot of them together, pretty, pretty, I don't know, one-sided. Like Sydney were they getting are. absolutely robbed in a couple of them. And no, there I was think another one that Essendon were getting absolutely robbed. But there could be, I don't know, the, obviously the clubs aren't going to let themselves get robbed. But if they talk about it enough and throw some later picks and future picks in there, something could work out. For sure. I mean, it's going to be an interesting trade period. Um, Tom Pathley, uh, don't know how that's like. So... Let's go through a few of these trades just quickly before we get into the uh, segments to finish up. Um, so this is I'm just gonna, I'm not going to do every player, but there's a few just I want to get your thoughts on. Yeah. Um, do you think Tim Kelly gets done? When where does he go? I think he goes to West Coast. I think West Coast will find a way to get get a couple assets, even if it means futuring some trading some future picks and things. Yeah, he should, he will find his way there. I reckon West Coast will end up playing overs, but um, obviously them being in their premiership period, uh, window, they're they're going to try and. Play for the now, but as long as that doesn't result in us losing Gaff in any way, because there's been a lot of whispers around about him potentially uh, heading off. So I don't think we'll be in much of a better you position. What, though, I would take Tim Kelly over Gaff. I'd take... You'd obviously prefer both you, the team. you take Kelly over Gaff. It's true, but yeah, you just want... Because I think Kelly's young, younger by a couple of years anyway as well, but you, yeah, you don't want to lose that talent. No, agreed. Sure, next one. Um, does Eddie Best of Carlton get done? I think it does. I think doesn't make much sense for the Crows having him. Um, I think he could help out the Blues. I don't think he's actually going to help them out that much, but they want him, so I think they'll get it done. Yeah, I just think the fact that he's a, you know, an experienced head, obviously a champion of the game. Um, you know, Carlton not not so much for the in the playing sense. I don't think it's going to be a coaching sense either, but just also like a um, what's the word I'm looking for? A role model, like a role model around the club, yeah. someone who can nurture this young sort of talent. I think the Blues could be preoccupied a bit with Papley and Martin that he could find very. I think Gold Coast aren't or aren't completely out of this Eddie Betts situation. I mean, obviously, I'm not you know don't have any information, but I think that that could get on the back burner a bit the Eddie Betts deal, and they could um it, I reckon it'd be late for the Blues or Gold Coast could come into the picture late there. So I think watch out for that one. Couple more. So if Jing Papley gets done to the Blues, yeah, Papley gets done. And the last one, I reckon, um, I was going to, oh, no, two more. Joe Danaher, does he get to Sydney? Yeah. Yeah, that's been the talk. I, I think he should be. And uh, right now as well, the big one, Josh Jenkins, where do you think he is going? He hasn't it's really been linked to anywhere, one, has he? Um, because to be honest, I think he's willing to make it work for a lot of teams. So any team that wants a tall forward, I reckon we'll be able to get him. Um, I reckon losing Josh Bruce St Kilda might be interested. Yeah, St Kilda could be. Um, they they have a lot going on at the moment as well, though. They're uh, doing a lot of deals at once and looking at guys like Paddy Ryder and stuff as well. So I'm not sure about that. But, um, yeah, I guess it's just wait and see how that plays out because I don't have much information there. Yeah, yeah I, reckon, I reckon it'll be at Spock next year. A um, couple, of, couple of the older blokes moving out. A couple of uh, the McClays up forward. So I think he'll be a good addition at Spock next year. <laughs> All right, that's <laughs> <laughs> I like I, I like I didn't even realize you said Spock. The first time you said Spock, I was like, "What on earth?" Like I didn't know what you yeah, said. I was, like, oh, yeah, I was trying to figure it out. 
<laughs> I think um, Jenkins. I reckon he could join um, his mate Telus Yelman and uh, Charlotte Cameron up in Brisbane. I think they could do with another key forward for the Lions. Yeah. I reckon Maybe. that could be something that the Lions look into there. So they don't mind picking up our Crows players, Brisbane. So could be another one joining the it's ranks. pretty well for them too. It has very well. So I think, um, oh, <laughs> I think yeah, the um, Brisbane Lions could be in the fray there. But interesting there. There's obviously a lot more names to be brought up. There's just a few of them that are sort of making news now. It should be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, we'll just quickly do the segments now. Um, I'll let you go first. And you got the unsung hero of the week, mate. Unsung hero of the week. So we've. You know, there's a, could have gone across any sport. And we had the, obviously only had the one game this week, and I was looking to go down the avenues of you know old longest kick or the sprint or something like that. But um, you know, it's it's it's, it's, got, it's got to be old mate. It has to be old old mate from Richmond. And you know, th- who do you think? I want, who do you think I'm talking about? Uh, oh, Marlon, but you're not. No, nah, not Marlon, because Marlon's been sung. Marlon's been very, very well. <laughs> no, nah. can't be Brando. <laughs> um, wait, wait, give me a minute. I want to think about this. He's a pot. It's going to be, oh, Greek. It'll be Greek. Yes, it's Sean Greek. He has to <laughs> He's been mentioned. He has been mentioned, but that, he is retired halfway through the year to allow Pickett to come into this side and end up playing in a premiership. That's just an amazing effort. Like, he was probably done anyway or whatever, but just the fact that he had the nous to know exactly you know, what was going to go on and we talked to the club, uh, it's a fair effort because he could have left the door ajar. I think we'll see a bit more of that in the coming years as well. A lot of people retiring early just to allow clubs to get the best for, for what they want. For sure, 100% there. Great one there, Dylan. Uh, the Grandma Gears this week, um, it's pretty pretty simple. I think it's just a, a shit grand final. Really grinding my gears. I was up and about for a good close game and we got that uh, piece of shit, so I was not happy with that I was very very mad so yeah nah shit grand final tell the rest of the team the competition to get better mate yeah probably gonna have to do that to be honest um probably would rather have Collingwood in there to be honest but anyway um yeah it was so shit grand final really grinding my gears and uh made me angry so I was not happy <laughs> with that um now to the winners and losers of the week um who wants the new ball hit today I feel like Lockie's look Lockie's wanting it nah. I'm all right. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Oh, you get a roll mine, I reckon, but you go. But there's there's been a lot of talk about about people, you know, old man. I don't, I don't necessarily am a fan of this uh, this certain person, but she's got to be a winner of the week for sure. Taylor Harris, old statue, has yeah, ki- kicked the ball 61 meters against 12 other AFL footballers, and I know it's you know. The fact, it all comes down to getting onto a ball or not. But the fact that she's able to keep 61 metres is a fair crack. So she has to be a winner there. She kicked it longer than the Texan, Sandy, um, Steve-O. There was a, there was a stag. She kicked, it longer. she kicked it longer then. So that's kudos to that because that was a fair effort. Yeah, fantastic stuff there from Taylor Harris. Um, my winner of the week is the Big Bash. And especially, particularly the Brisbane Heat because... A.B. De Villiers is a massive coup for the league. It's going to be fantastic to see him uh, play his trade, especially with the Gabba, you know, with Chris Lynn. Uh, fa- fa- fast, uh, fast deck up there. be fantastic to see. So that would be great summer entertainment for everyone. Uh, to see A.B. in the uh, the Brisbane Heat. What, what colour are they? Like a light, light blue. <laughs> yeah. So that is the aqua. The, the, the aqua of the Brisbane Heat. A.B. De Villiers is going to light it up. So um, that's a big win of the week for the, for the Big Bash and especially the Heat because he's going to... Put bums on seats. Sorry, I think I've got probably the biggest winner of the week of the three of us. Very big win for this man. He's had a bit of a tough time recently. 
but the flying nay has got a he's got a he's got a shift trial shift to get a job. Massive win for the flying nay, Lewis Coventry. Good on you, mate, uh, and good Huge luck at the trial mate. shift. <laughs> Louis is a good good friend of the podcast. He's been on a, f- <laughs> a lot of times, so uh, it's good good to see Louis uh, finally, you know, progressing in the world. Earning it's some good dough, earning some dough. It's very very well, nice. Yet, but um, we hope so. Well, I think so. I mean, obviously, you could get a free labour session, but anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, loser of the week, uh, Dylan. You got one for us. Uh, yeah, literally, it has to be Finn Layson. Uh, once he had one one touch in AFL Grand Final, uh, unheard of, disgusting. Uh, you know, it was talked about the way he could Somebody be the X Factor. Australian squad, that is. That's just unheard of. One kick. He had one kick and one mark and a tackle in a Grand Final. That is despicable. Yeah, it was a poor effort there from uh, Jeremy Finn Layson. I'm trying to think of a loser of the week. I mean, there's probably a few that I'm not thinking of, but... Uh... Yeah, what do you reckon? Uh, my loser of the week is the bus driver of the Richmond bus after the grand final who didn't let them go to Swan Street. Yes, that was dog. Puss. Well, that's the story that, that the Richmond players have been using anyway. But very stiff. Would have loved to see the players down there. Yeah, it would have been great to see uh, Dusty and the like down there. Um, my loser of the week is... Oh, it's, there's just a lot of different things um, I could think of here. Um, let me see. I'm just going to go with, I'm just, I, I don't know, man. Uh, He's got pro- probably Phil Davis. I mean, we've had a chat out before. I mean, it's a, a cop out, Leisure of the Week, but he probably Another one that played. I was thinking of saying that I think we should also mention is Camden McIntosh and Jack Ross, who got rested from the VFL granny and then neither of them got picked for the AFL granny. That's pretty... Pretty fucking savage, to be honest. Yeah, that is very savage there. Um, Marlin got two fucking medals and they got zero. Yeah, very, very tough for those guys. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, if it's Phil Davis, I think uh, wasn't fit to play and shouldn't have played, so he's my loser of the week. Um, I think it just about wraps up for this uh, episode of Down the Line, uh, you know, grand final wrap-up. Good to have a chat, uh, all things granny, uh, a few trade things in there as well. Um We'll get online, obviously, keep going. Um, we got a trade period coming up. Uh, we'll do a few season reviews as well. Myself and Dylan, not sure if Lockie be around Louis. We've got a few people in, we'll sort something out. But we're, Jammers, we're, I hear, is coming Jammers, on. Uh, could be on. You know, yeah. We've got Dars, we've got plenty in, plenty in the works. So Collie Dool. Definitely uh, look out for the uh, Facebook page. We're, we're on Apple Podcasts as well, by the way. I, I got that uh, sorted last week, so that's uh, interesting stuff there. Should just go in, 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 increase the reach a bit, so that should be good. But yeah, so exciting times. I mean, we might go to the summer of cricket. We haven't really uh, discussed further than that, have we, Dylan? Yeah. <laughs> so we could uh, we, we could go further. You never know. Uh, but yeah, so exciting times. Um, yeah, we'll, do, we'll see you soon for some season reviews. We'll probably go uh, three episodes, six teams each. So watch out for that. But for now, catch up. Yeah, the ball.